and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Transformers The Last Night, directed by Michael Bay and released in 2017. The plot of the movie goes something like this. Humans and Transformers are at war. Optimus Prime is gone. The key to saving the future lies buried in the past, in the hidden history of Transformers on Earth. The plot of this movie is definitely not uh, comprehensible and definitely not able to be boiled down that simply. But sure, it's no, something like that. It is not. that. Those were words taken from the studio and then I fixed up their grammar and, and stuff. And it's, it's so, so convoluted. It is. Uh, so, Melissa, um, should people see this movie? Oh, God, no. No. And I don't think people are. I think this is going to flop. But there were not many people in the audience when we were watching it and it's a Sunday afternoon and it just came out on Thursday. <laughs> yeah. So, no. This, I mean, seriously, it, it has dialogue that makes George Lucas's writing look like Tom Stoppard. It has <laughs> plot holes you could drive Optimus Prime through. It changes aspect ratio in the middle of scenes. So, like, if you don't know what that means, it means that, the screen size kind of changes in front of you in the middle of scenes. It's like unprofessional almost. It is. There's something about these movies, like the the more recent ones. I didn't see the fourth one, but I've seen the rest of them, I believe. It's very hard for me to remember. But there's something about them that makes them seem like they're flying without a script, even though you know they have to have planned every single second of the screen time in order to get all the special effects shot mm. and shots and everything. It just makes it seem like they're making it up as they go along. I thought that too. At one point I was like, was this improvised? <laughs> the whole, not, But not just the scene. The, the whole, whole movie. movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, we should probably sound the spoiler alert. Uh, alarm? Alert the alert is what I meant yes. to say. So now we, we are going to start talking spoilers now. So if you do actually plan to go and see Transformers the last night, I always forget what it's for called. For some reason. Um, if, you, if for whatever reason you're going to put yourself through that, stop listening now and come back to this episode later. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know how to talk about it without talking spoilers, but at the same time, so little, so little of it actually matters. The, this is one of the stupidest plots I've it's not ever stupid, encountered. It's, it's straight up incomprehensible. It was about five minutes in the move, into the movie before I started going, what is going on? But it's like um, I had this pro problem when we saw The Promise, but this is like ten times worse where you're like there's bits and pieces and, and people and characters and, and objects that disappear in the middle of scenes that are major characters or major, major plot, plot points. points. <laughs> and you're like, what happened to that? Where did it go? What's going on right now? And then they'll, they'll throw in a line of dialogue like 10 minutes later to go like, oh, what happened to this? We don't know. And I'm like, oh, good. We don't Wait, either. we lost that? <laughs> yeah. Last we saw it, Optimus had it, and Optimus is right there. Yeah, this is uh, this is a particular issue with that staff of Merlin, which is the most important plot point in the um, movie, and we lose it without realizing that we've lost it. But the most to, important MacGuffin, and and we lose yeah. it, and like we didn't know it had gone. But to start <laughs> at the beginning, this movie starts off with a medieval-looking battle that takes place in. Dark Ages, England. Just a side note here: the word "Dark Ages" hasn't been used by historians for. A long, Since the Dark Ages, a long time, and is largely discredited because now we actually we do actually know quite a bit about what happened then, and things were going on, and technology was changing, and people were doing stuff at the time in the era. But anyway, more importantly, Transformers were doing stuff. Transformers then. were doing things. King Arthur was around. King Arthur is real. Merlin is real. Which, Merlin, Merlin is Stanley Tucci. Which there is one highlight 
in this movie. One highlight in the pre-credit sequence, the big King Arthur battle, Stanley Tucci plays Merlin and he's in a different movie to every <laughs> other actor in this movie. He basically breaks the fourth wall for every minute he's on screen. He's introduced just delightfully. Yeah, it feels like you it really does feel like you've just been pulled into a totally like a like a um Monty, a Python. Monty Python. Yeah, it that, feels that's like exactly what I was thinking. Because you know, Arthur's fighting and his knights are all like, oh, Merlin, that old drunk, he's not gonna help us. Cut to rough looking old man on a horse, zoom in, because this is a Michael Bay movie, and rough looking man on a horse says, God, I'm sozzled. <laughs> It like you really have just been knocked dropped into Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yeah. And then he goes, just one more sip and takes a very long drink and then goes off and finds the crashed ship of a transformer. And the transformer gives him the magical stuff that will then control a magical dragon that, that like, will save that will, Arthur and his Transformers in yeah. battle. It is bonkers and crazy, but But I, Stanley Tucci recognizes that it is bonkers and crazy and he spent he performs winking at the audience basically but the thing is also like he goes from doing that to delivering this actually kind of emotionally moving line about like saving everybody that is more emotionally affecting than anything else that's in the whole movie and he does that after going from like straight up monty python bonkers comedy two seconds earlier yeah and i mean he steals the whole movie in those two seconds like the, later on in the movie, there's the tomb of Merlin, and we were just like, "Oh, please let him be alive." Um, yeah, unfortunately, we were really he doesn't come back. Because that he would come back. Obviously, they only had Stanley Tucci for a day. Yeah, and they seemed. I feel like they were trying to go for that same tone with um, Jim. What's his name? Oh my the god, from, Cogman. Yeah, Cogsworth. Jim Carter. Jim Carter. No, it's Cog. He's called yeah, Cogman, not Cogsworth. <laughs> importantly, but Cogman, the butler. Um, he's also the, the butler in in Downton Abbey, but. I think they were trying to go for the same kind of thing with him and also Anthony Hopkins. They, they had like incongruous lines or just complete personality changes partway through the movie. I had no idea what was going on with Cogman from one minute to the it next. It just didn't work because neither of them have the Stanley Tucci charm. It's only pulled off because Stanley Tucci has charm. Firstly, because Cogman is a robot, right? So he's entirely CG. So it's an entirely a voice performance. It's Odd too. Why is he four feet tall? Like, what's the purpose Do you of know that? What? And also, he at one point transforms into a plane and Does flies. He? Yeah, that's how Marky Mark flies to England, right? In Cogman. That's Cogman? Yes. Yes, it's Cogman. And. What? But how does he fit all of that plane inside his teeny well, tiny four foot yes, body? And here's the problem. We never see him untrans- transform or untransform. We only know this because he makes the announcement about the flight. And then he sort of makes, you know, the announcements as they're coming into land. So we know it's him, but we never, ever see the transformation, which kind of, to me, in a Transformers movie where there's new and different types of Transformers. Maybe he's don't just you want to see the transformation? Maybe he's just flying the plane from somewhere else that we don't see. I feel like he transforms into that plane. It looks, it's such a particular style and it's not like a normal plane and it, it fits in with the rest of his aesthetic. Can I ask a question? Do we yeah. ever see the Transformer that the sub transforms into or is it just a sub the whole time? It's just a sub the whole time. Okay, just wondering. And there's, this problem recurs through the film though because there's a scene in um, uh, Vivian's mother's house where they're in the study and firstly Vivian's a historian her father was a historian before her and she goes into his study and Marky Mark starts wrecking the place and she's like yes let's wreck the place to like try and find the clues to find the staff thing but she while <laughs> they're so there, all over the place while they're there the 
cops arrive and we see them running downstairs to Vivian's mother and all her friends gathered around and they're like, oh, I the horny old British ladies. Yeah, yeah. Who are also not a bad little like comedic sidetrack. But mm, anyway, but we see them, the cops come. We see them downstairs. What we do not see is, is how they Vivian get away. and Marky Mark escaping from the house. We just see them. <laughs> Ten minutes later, driving in oh, – the character name of Marky Mark's character it's is Cade Yeager. one of the stupidest names you'll ever hear. I uh, know. I'm sorry. Cade, Cade Yeager. Cade Yeager is the most perfect name for a character in this movie that I've ever heard. Yeah. It, it is a really excellent character name match. But anyway. And it, yeah, it's perfect for but his we don't character. See, we don't see them escape off. from there. We just see them like five minutes later in Bumblebee driving somewhere else. But then they do it again at the end when they're in the sub. they've gone no mm-hmm. in the, they've gotten out of the sub they're on the oh, ship, the ship. Yeah. and the ship start everything starts going because they've found the staff and then Optimus has taken the staff and then they start going up again but we completely lose track of where Laura Haddock's character has gone because mm. he says get out of here and then Josh Dumal Kate says get out of here Kate yeah. says get out of here Josh Dumal and his guys look like they're going to take her out. But they don't. What happens is Josh Dumal and Marky Mark go up to the surface together and we completely lose track of her and we don't see how they escape. But also of the soldiers. Yeah. He tells the soldiers She's with to Cogsworth. go. Cogsworth. Cog- Cogman. Um, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I just can't defame the name of Cogsworth like that. Poor Cogsworth is just an innocent clock who never did anything wrong. Um, <laughs> Cogman is a travesty. <laughs> exactly. Um, but no, he tells the other guys to go to the sub, but we don't see the sub again, I don't no. think. And then, like, he tells Laura Haddock to get out of here, but we don't know where she goes. Like, and I was like, I think she went on the sub with the other guys, but then I was proven but wrong, we, like, two seconds later. Yeah, but at the same time, is. I was more confused by where the hell the staff was, because suddenly, apparently, Quintessa had the staff. No, and, and Optimus has lost it, but all we see Optimus do is put the staff in a little pocket in his, yes. in his chest. And then we never see it again. But suddenly Contessa has the staff again. What her name is? Quintessa. Quintessa has the staff again. It was played by uh, Gemma Chan right. in what I thought was the second best performance of the movie. Hmm. Um, I thought she was really good in her two scenes in almost all CGI. <laughs> like, I thought she did a good job. Um, <laughs> I actually thought some of the voice performances were really good for cartoons. Well, like, yeah. some of the time when it was just the Transformers hanging out and talking and fighting, I was like, oh, this would be a great cartoon. Yes. There's a bit in the junkyard with, um, um, with, um, what's his name? Dan from Roseanne. I've forgotten the actor's name. John Goodman. John Goodman bot. And Hound. And the sword guy. Ken Watanabe. Oh, right. Okay. Um, <laughs> Which is why he is the ultimate sword stereotype guy. of a samurai. Well, see, I kept getting sword guy mixed up with... Frenchman, Hot Rod, Ut Rod, because they look kind of the same and then Ut Rod comes in at the end. And but no, but but Ken Watanabe has a samurai helmet on and and Omar Sai played Hot Rod. I was looking all this up because I was bored and there was nobody sitting behind us and I was taking notes through the whole movie. But yeah, Omar Sai was Hot Rod from The Untouchables. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think they looked, they were both red. So I can see why you yeah, get confused I, because, because I got confused a lot. There was like a yeah. bad, there was like an Autobot green one and a Decepticon yep, green one yep. and I didn't know which one was which yeah. at any time. At one point, a, a Dinobot came up out of the road and started attacking the military and I didn't know what side it was on. Yeah, <laughs> Like I had no idea what side that thing was supposed to be on and I'm, and I'm like, are we rooting against the military or for the military do we want them to die or not because the sort of um 
Josh Dumal swore the offsider, whose name I, I didn't also didn't catch. Santiago Cabrera. Santiago Cabrera. He's kind of, you're meant to not like him. He's meant to be like a hard line, like he's a cop, but, or, or a military, what, or a paramilitary <laughs> operation. Or I kept calling man. them turfs, which know, let's, let's not get. Let's not get distracted down that that rabbit hole, but they're TRFs. Transformers exclusion. <laughs> yeah, whatever they're called. The Transformers something force. And they TERFs are not a bad name for them, really. Sorry, I'm just um, because they don't don't recognize the humanity of Transformers. But anyway, he's meant to be bad, and the whole kind of TERF organization is meant to be bad. But he's also like he's helping Josh Jamal because all the soldiers fight together. Also jurisdiction is not really a thing the americans americans can just like rock up to stonehenge and start running an enormous military operation without any kind of clearance you say jurisdiction is not really a thing but there's no internal logic to this world whatsoever we know there's no leaders, so people are fighting, but we don't really understand why. Well, I mean, there are some. The whole- there are still some leaders. Like, there's obviously the American military and the British Prime Minister still exist. Right now, I've only missed. No, no, no. There's sorry. There's no Autobot and Decepticon leaders. Oh yeah, yeah. The sorry. humans still yeah. have leaders, <laughs> but there's also no. Um, I don't know what I missed in the fourth movie. <laughs> to be fair, I'm never going to watch that. But I think the place where all the dead robots were is the place where they had the big fight in the end of the third movie. It looks vaguely familiar like that. <laughs> um, mm. And I seem to remember Rosie Huntington-Whiteley like running around down those areas and fighting robots in tiny negligee. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but like, uh, I think that's where they were, where they discovered Isabel with a Z. Um, Isabel with a Z, sorry. Very important to that. And then, well, then he calls a Z for the rest of the movie. Oh, does he? yeah. Like, he calls her bro. I just thought he, he calls, calls her bro, bro but he also time. calls her Z at times because she's Isabella with a Z, um, or Isabella with a Z. Um, I d- I d- and well, you know, Z and B, his two BFFs. Although she disappears for about a third of the movie. And that black guy whose name I never caught. No, senior vice president of something. Senior vice president guy who was literally only there to be comic relief at the level of like '90s TV shows, which I know Transformers sort of fits into, but. Like late 80s, early 90s, comic mm. relief for a TV show kind oh, of yeah. thing? No, this, Did you find the him? Whole, no, I didn't. Um, the whole movie is, is kind of like that. It's sort of the – But it, it just smacks at of, the same time. Oh, well, yeah, no, it isn't. But it, it's smack, um, not, not that. It's sort of – it smacks of someone making what they think a modern blockbuster should be without necessarily having watched any modern blockbusters other than the ones that they work on in the last 15 years. The girl who played Isabella with a Z is called Isabella Monet. With an S. Mm. Yes, I did look that up. Jimmy, there you go. But, oh, I mean, Jimmy. well, maybe not like no movies in the last 15 years because they did steal the um, invasion ship from Thor 2. But like it, it's kind of like Michael Bay sort of has – it feels like a movie by committee, even down to the fact that, oh, we need to have a black guy in this role or let's put a black woman in here or let's make sure this woman is Asian. Like, Except right I feel down like to that, it's not – doesn't feel like a movie by committee at all. It just feels like Michael Bay is sort of going, oh, I got in trouble for not putting any. Yeah, yeah. So, the, oh, I'm going to cast an Asian chick here. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yes, let's make her the villain. Like, oh, I got in trouble for making my robots, like, you know, racial stereotypes, but I can't really change that now. So, let's just, like, stick some other people in some other roles. Mm. That's what it feels like. It doesn't oh, feel. Yeah. Steve Buscemi randomly turns up as a robot, like, robot oh, yeah. salesman. Just all these these really well, like really highly regarded actors pop up in like tiny, Ooh, tiny what? little roles. Tony Hale. 
is there as like the head of the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. I think he was in another one, but I'm not sure. It, well, but I mean, why wouldn't yeah. you go in that movie as Steve? If you're Steve Buscemi and you're going to get a huge paycheck for doing well, just voice acting. Well, this is what I'm, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Like part of me is like, I'm kind of glad Laura Haddock is doing this in Guardians of the Galaxy. I hope she's being paid for it. Like, because yeah. we know that Marvel's kind of tied us, so maybe she's not getting paid so much for Guardians. But also, I'm kind of like, a lot of these people, there's also a whole bunch of, like, well-known British sort of TV actors, like the ladies playing whats the mm. mum and the other. One of them I recognised. I don't remember. Vivian's mum. Vivian's mum. And I, uh, one of them I recognised, but I can't remember her name off the top of my head. But, like, they're all these sort of British TV actors, and you sort of hope, for their sake, that they got so much money just to do this yeah well i was thinking that a lot because what else are you going to like (laughs) what else are you going to look forward to in this movie i was like why would anybody even want to have their name on this movie Mm, it's mm. crazy it's so so lazy it's so lazy john totoro's character as well who's been in all of the movies shows Mm. up in this movie just to keep him in this movie and is so pointless and painful and like i don't know why he was there no he doesn't add and and it was just to have a stupid plot line about how transformers are welcome in cuba yeah that was odd but it's not just about that it's also so that he can like that part of the problem is that this movie had 600 plot points going on at any one time Mm -hmm. there were several times that i wrote in my notes i was like what is happening what am i supposed to be keeping track of right now there's a moment when in the script they say, let's go to England. And the next moment, Havana, Cuba pops up on the screen. And you're like, no, no, we're going to England. I want to go to England. I want to <laughs> see what's happening in the main plot. Don't take me somewhere else right now because I don't even understand what's happening in the main plot it's, right now. It's sound and fury signifying nothing. Make a lot of noise and do a lot of things and try and disorient you with thousands of locations and all these characters and all these things going on to it, it's like this puppet show or something it's like we can't let the audience get bored for a second so let's just throw everything at the screen kind of but it's not it's not even that it's just it, it really does feel like they had it, it feels like a writing exercise or something like they had the vague bones of if, what they if, wanted to do if there was a good writer involved i might argue no, that no like a writing exercise for like learner writers oh like, right where you just have the you're given like it feels like an improv writing thing mm. where you're given the bare bones of what you need to write and then they were like okay so at least at some point i have to have a scene like this oh i haven't explained this i'll just explain this in a scene that has nothing to do with any of the main characters tony hale's explanations of science (laughs) and his metaphors made me want to die i I have written in my notes that's not how a microwave works there's not how microwave there's the microwave one there's the tiger woods one Mm. like what is Tony like ha- Tiger Woods is still a current reference, people. <laughs> but it's not just that. Also, why is his NASA place basically a Japanese nightclub? Like it's all pink and blue neon lights everywhere. <laughs> and I don't know what. Well, there was happening. a movie with the Jet Propulsion Lab recently that we watched. I can't remember what it was. I think it was um, it's The Martian. It's in the features in oh. The Martian, and it yeah, and it looks much more normal in The Martian. <laughs> You mean it's not neon pink and blue with flashing lights everywhere to distract you from the fact that they with don't like know a, what's happening? a big fancy atrium that all of a sudden he can talk to the entire staff from his desk? All I know about Tony Hale is that he doesn't like magic and he does like science and he's wrong. Yeah. 
That's it. Like, and they discover this. This, by the way, they discover this plot point about the giant planet that's coming to Earth, mm. which is Cybertron, the home of the Transformers, <laughs> which has been destroyed. We don't know why. But Quintessa is there and Optimus Prime goes back there and then she turns him evil for some reason. We don't know why. And then <laughs> brings him, like, we do kind of know so why. So that he can get her, the staff back. Right. Because we need the staff to drain Earth to refeed yeah. Unicron. Like, well, basically, well, Earth, also known no, as no, no, Unicron. No, Earth is Unicron. Earth is known to the Transformers as Unicron. And it's but the, the planets have got themselves into, far as I can tell, a situation where neither can live while the other survives <laughs> kind of thing. So... Like, I don't know, there's some kind of zero-sum game between of energy between the planets. And so the Transformers planet is coming to Earth to take all the resources slash energy from Earth so that they can survive. Right. I knew this was right. Unicron. Unicron is the character voiced by Orson Welles in his last role no. in that animated Transformers movie from the late 80s. Um, <laughs> that's that's um, meta. Yep. Right. So... Like, Unicron wasn't always Earth. They've just made Unicron Earth for the purpose of this movie. Right. Um, Unicron is supposed to be this big ba- bad planet that, like, kills people or something. So the ancient enemy in this movie of Cybertron is Unicron, which basically makes all Transformers the bad guys, I think. Yeah, but then it does. <laughs> here's the thing. So we finally get to the end of this baffling movie where every five minutes you're like, I don't understand this. How does this make sense? Why are they killing these random people? How Why did that- they find time to change? When? Do- oh my god! <laughs> she changes seven times. Mm. Seven so times. Did she okay. So she at one point she does go home and she she's in like work the the most insane clothes I've ever seen a history professor wear like shoes for the cobblestone streets of Oxford that are just completely unwalkable. But anyway, she High gets heels. out of that tight outfit and into no, no, that- in, and she gets into like another outfit and then she's. When they arrive at Anthony Hopkins' place, she changes again after they get there. This is the thing. Into, like, this tight cleavage dress. Right. I'm like, why does Anthony Hopkins have a cupboard full of skin-tight clothes for everybody who happens across yeah. his property? And then, so, so after they get away from there, they go. she goes back to her mother's house and she actually says, Mom, I'm just going to get changed, which actually makes sense at this point because you're like, of course, she's not going to want to wear a tight dress and heels for what's coming next. So she puts on, like, what appears to be pants or jeans and a white top and a white jacket and then they get on the submarine and then she changes not very long after they've been on the submarine she's in like khaki cargo pants and a henley yeah so i I might buy that she was wearing the henley under the jacket but i don't and then it then we get down to the to the ship and she's wearing a jumper and she's put on waders because she's got to walk through water but they're they're not they're like they're supposed to be like world war two or one yeah uniform so, that she, yeah. that just happens to fit her perfectly yeah that's lying around on the sub yeah. and so i assume that's she's changed on the sub and then at some point between oh on the heli they get on the helicopter after they get off the <laughs> ship and she suddenly gets into an american flight they both get into american flight suits yeah although mark Wahlberg keeps his um keeps his henley on underneath for like easier recognition when he has a long distance fight scene happen <laughs> later on like none of these costume changes are explained and it's quite confusing oh it's completely baffling um why does the sub have a giant window in the front of it i don't know that's not practical i don't know on much a, on a world war ii submarine uh, yeah. i don't think they had giant windows on the front of no them. I, I mean i'm not a submarine expert i will take that but my my knowledge is they do not have a giant window on the end because i'm pretty sure they couldn't that'd be dangerous extremely dangerous anyway so we finally get to the end of this baffling movie and the major like 
the the main event. This is the climax that we've all been building up to. And they're all floating weightlessly through the air and somehow Laura Haddock gets her hands on the sword and then B kills Quintessa by shooting her and then the something happens. Well, <laughs> the b- movie's b- over. Well, like, um, they, Hot Rod's um, freezing time power comes back. No, no, yeah, but that's to save them after this has happened. Yeah. So, like, something happens and then Unicron is no, no, still... No, Tony ha- no, no, uh, Tony Hale's physics works as well. So... They, it's more like a two-pronged approach. He he makes a bit of the up the planet fall into the whatever what is it called? It's like a Stonehenge. I don't no, know. No, no, the engine room thing that's coming to Earth. Like they call it something. I don't know. It's like an engine room anyway. So he 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 sets up a plan where they like knock another bit of the planet into that bit of the planet and therefore shut the whole thing down, which is why um, Josh Jamal gets all the troops and they parachute off. But then Marky Mark and Laura Haddock stay behind because she's the staff is still there drawing energy out. So she gets the staff, but when Bumblebee kills Quintessa, that stops the energy transfer, and so she's able to pull the staff out and hold on. I can't but then the staff is just gone. It is. It's just gone. She's just she has it in one second, and then she's floating through the air without the next second. And then they get saved by Hot Rod's magic gun that only yeah. happens twice in the whole movie, which is the most convenient weapon in the entire thing. Like use that, boost its powers, freeze mm. the whole world for a bit. Um, I don't know, but like then they do that, and then they're on Earth. Everybody's okay. They cry. Optimus Prime makes a speech that has nothing to do with the movie we just watched, and then Cybertron is still just there. Mm. And Earth is just Half there. crashed and they into have to, Earth at Stonehenge. And they have to, like, Any other places? work together to make both planets okay somehow. But we don't know how because and, that's never and been the established. Like, the Decepticons haven't all been killed. There's, some of them have, but they're still around. Well, they can't plus, all be killed plus because those then there's five no that they got out of jail for to help um, Megatron. Let's just I, – I can't cope with that right now because the, the actually the Decepticons have – almost nothing to do with this movie. So let's just put them aside for a minute. Just like Isabel with a Z who has nothing to do with this movie. So let's put her aside. Uh, just the main just just the main plot. Just the main focus of this movie seems to be somehow going back to Cybertron alerts Quintessa to the fact that Earth still exists or something. This is the main plot. Somehow for some reason Quintessa is coming to Earth so that they can rebuild Cybertron. Well, she's transformed into a human form as well. No, no, no. That's the end. I'm just oh, talking about the right. Pl- Sorry. Oops. <laughs> just the- <laughs> I know it's so confusing. <laughs> just the central plot, like the main plot of this movie, right? Like, is that the humans and the Transformers being at war and the Transformers being at war with each other has nothing to do with this movie at all. The plot of this movie is that Quintessa brings. It's a, a transformer. Quintessa, who is a transformer, is at war with humans. That is that is the plot. Well, sort of. She's not really at war. They don't actually go to war. Except no, she that just the last, decides like, to five the, minutes. Which, which her whole her planet's survival depends on now's being wiped out. It seems that way, but she doesn't even know about like which she doesn't even isn't alerted to that until logics. Optimus Prime crashes into the planet mm. and goes home. So I have another question about that, but that's for later. So. They bring, and she turns Optimus Prime evil somehow, and they bring, and then he becomes <laughs> Nemesis, Nemesis Prime, Prime <laughs> which is so Star Trek that, like, I almost cried laughing at that. I'm like, it's Patrick Stewart. Um, so they bring 
Cybertron to Earth to take over Earth and suck out the life force of Earth mm. and turn it cold but also hot. And <laughs> smash into some things. And scrape cities off the face of the Earth and millions die. And then the only way that they can be stopped is by Laura Haddock. Oh, who's descended from Merlin, by the way. Who's descended from Merlin, Stanley Tucci, to have a staff and put it in the right spot and then for Bumblebee to kill Quintessa. And also, oh, don't forget Anthony Hopkins down at Stonehenge shooting at what appear to be Decepticons and then being becoming the only person ever to get killed by being blown away by an explosion in my But he also film. has nothing to do with the plot except to explain it to yep. our heroes. Yep. You know who else oh, has nothing to do with the something? You know what, what's this thing? Wit Wickens. Wit Wickens. <laughs> As in Sam so Wickie, the hero of the first three movies, who in this movie it seems to imply that he's dead yeah, or and else then this order of knights has sprung up. Right. Yeah. But he never died. Um No, no, he just decided not to be involved with this <laughs> crap anymore. But no, okay, so I'm going back to the main plot of this movie. <laughs> Cause I want I don't like this is this is the main plot, right? That Laura Haddock has to stick a, a staff in somewhere mm. and Quintessa has to be killed, and then what? Then what? What is the outcome of this? Does Earth not die now? It that, appears, does, it, it appears Earth, to be that way. If Earth doesn't die, does Cybertron now die? In, well, so as far as I can tell, yes, Earth survives, so Cybertron dies, except that we have this sort of pre credit scene where we see Quintessa in human form come to Earth. But she was already there. She was already on Earth, right? Because right? like, she was in that, yeah, the ship. The planet, sorry. Right, the planet, which is like that whole scene. Is I was like, where are they? Just above Earth. Yeah. I was like, where are they? They keep talking about how the air is thin, but like only Kate Yeager is having oxygen yeah. and everybody and, else, including and the 14 year old girl, has a bit of oxygen too. But yeah, they're 20,000 feet up on this planet thingy. But then there's grass and stuff. It looks like the planet that Jin Erso's parents live on in Rogue One. A little bit, but it's the fakest looking planet that I've ever seen. Mm. But yeah, it, I was like, but what is the outcome? What is the desired outcome here? What is the threat? And what is the outcome if the threat is abolished? And I don't know the answer to that question. And we just watched this. I don't know, based on that whole movie, what the answer to the question, what is the threat, what is the primary threat in this movie? What is the inciting incident of this movie? It's Optimus Prime crashing into Quintus, into Cybertron. It's got nothing to do with Anything that's happening on Earth, there's no part of the Earth storyline that matters at all. The last night thing from the title mm. that happens to Kate Yeager. Oh, yeah, sorry, the chosen one. We forgot all about that. The the, um, the chosen white boy? The MacGuffin that, that um, was given to Merlin and passed down. Right. The, the, no, that Merlin didn't have the little protective right. talisman. It was That was given to some Arthur. Old, sorry. Yeah, that yeah. was given to Arthur, but then some old knight, Transformer had it and then happened to be in a place where Kate Yeager was in America and then gave it to him for some reason and then <laughs> he had it and it just like protected him from bullets and stuff mm -hmm. and then at the very end created the sort of plot convenience that only appears when the plot need it, needs it to appear and then he saved Optimus Prime and then never used it again. Why? Optimus Prime isn't even that important to this movie. He disappears for 10 minutes and everybody goes, where's Optimus Prime? And they're like, oh, we didn't make it so that he can make a big entrance on the dragon yeah. that should have already oh, been there. Optimus Prime is only in this movie to make some dramatic entrances. And make big speeches. Yeah, like he does a great superhero landing at one point. And he, no, he, no that's sorry, Megatron. that's Megatron. <laughs> sorry. 
Megatron does a superhero landing. Optimus Prime has like a great entrance. Megatron does a superhero landing in that really, really gorgeous scene Mm. in the desert where there's like really beautiful shots and then immediately it changes aspect ratio and there's a shot from underneath you. Totally. And it's so weird. Um, And that's why in this day and age, as a professional filmmaker of some three or so decades experience, is Michael freaking Bay and the people he works with changing aspect ratios in the middle of a freaking shot. That is filmmaking 101. You That's, People yeah. who muck around with aspect ratios are doing it deliberately. Like every so often you'll see some indie movie that has three parts to it and the first part is in 16.9 and the second part is in 4.3 and whatever. But that's like, it's basic professionalism. I know. Like, why? But that's also the scene where we collect together all of these Decepticons who I think are only there because they're fan favorites. That's my guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, it's like I don't, they very briefly try and, like, make a transform a Decepticon suicide squad. Yeah, that was so weird with yeah. their names coming up on the screen, even though we haven't known the names of anybody up until this point. And they have this character called Mohawk who's, like, the oh. most terrible African-American stereotype yep. you've ever seen. He's awful. And then... A couple of other characters whose names I couldn't remember because they're not in the movie long enough to care about. At the end of the movie, there's this Decepticon force that seemed to be like a force of Tim Curry's in the Legend movie. Um, In Legend, the movie. Um, You know, with the horns, like his devil thing? I've not. I haven't seen it. Sorry. Oh, my God. Okay. Um, Anyway, there's like this little devil army of Decepticons. And I'm like, who are they? Where did they come from? Yeah. When did they come into this movie? Well, they also resemble. So there's a bit earlier on where the Knights of the Round Table are backed up by this group of ancient Transformers. And they also resemble those guys. Maybe they are those guys. I don't know who those guys are. They're not Decepticons or Autobots. They're just another lot of robots. No, no, there's no other. They have to be in one of them, right? Like, that just, I don't know who anybody is. Yeah. And and Isabella and her little, like, blue sidekick bot are so purposeless in this movie. Oh, my God. She's only R2 there. R2D Vespa. My God. That is a terrible little robot. It's just, it's like, it's like somebody, it's like Michael Bay went, oh, everybody loves BB-8. I'm going to make a cute little robot out of Vespa parts and, and big eyes like a Pixar character. Yeah, no, not just BB-8, like Wally and all the other ones as well. But yeah. there's this scene early on in the movie that's like an establishing scene where four boys break into the oh, area that's been yeah. destroyed who never feature into the plot again, only to introduce us to Isabella. We don't and even see them properly get away. We see them get out the fence, but we don't actually see them get back to their homes or anything. Right. But they get out the fence and then Isabella with Z goes with Cade. Right. And, like, they seem to only be there to ass- reassure young boys that you are allowed to sexualize Isabella. Mm-hmm. That's their whole point. And, and they're, yeah, and they're like 12-year-old boys sexualizing her. It's really gross. It's so gross. And, then and she's 14. It's like awful. there's all these scenes that are like, that are like oh no it's okay to sexualize Laura Haddock because she's wearing a sexy dress and we're hanging a lampshade on it like there's all this sort of she's, stuff the little girl Isabella is also really sick like she's styled exactly like and I've only seen the first of these movies not the ones in between Megan Fox in the first one like everyone in this movie has more tan on them than they need in fact Mark Wahlberg looks really weird because his lips are really pale and the rest <laughs> of his face is really brown but she's got this fake tan she's got the dirty face. She's, her hair is always in her face. Yeah. I spent the entire movie wanting to like just like me too. Put, tuck her hair behind her ears, but she's over sexualized at her age. Which I just looked up. The actress is like sixteen, but 
I, yeah, but this would have been made a while ago. Actually, she's not even 16 yet. But like she says in the movie, she's 14. Yeah, so she probably, probably about was about 14. Like it's gross. And it's yeah. – um. And the unnecessary sexualization of, of Laura Haddock in the tight dress at the Anthony Hopkins house, like completely unnecessary. And weird because she definitely didn't pick that dress. No, and they put a – they hang a lampshade on it as well right. as though like, you know, oh, she's so empowered because she wears a low-cut dress every now and then. It just seemed just But she didn't choose that dress again. No. Like there's no way that she chose that to wear that dress. No, although it isn't – it's not dissimilar. Like in the first outfit she's wearing is like a button-down shirt and a really tight skirt and like really fancy high heels. And Wasn't she wearing pants? I thought she was wearing like high-waisted pants in that. No, it's a really tight skirt. I'm so bad at um, noticing outfits, but guys. She, <laughs> so it's not out of the, you know, the aesthetic of the character, but at the same time just – She also wore glasses in that scene, by the way, can I point out, yes. to make her seem smarter. But then for the rest of the movie, she loses the glasses. Um, um, and, and Mark Wahlberg has one scene where he's wearing glasses where they're doing some work on Bumblebee's voice box. As oh, though yes. he's a vain Bumblebee's- old man who needs – who really needs glasses, but he only puts them on when he has to do, like, close, delicate work. That. Um, yeah. Oh, that, actually, that actually seems like an accurate representation yeah, that of was both the best. Mark Wahlberg and Chad Yeager. Well, no, I think that Ch- – Chad so much. Whatever his name is. Chad Yeager. No, it's not. It's, it's um, um, Chad Ye- Yeager. Sorry, Kate Kate Yeager. Yeager. Chad Yeager is a better name. No, I, I like Kate no, Yeager. No, but, but so Chad stupid. has – it is stupid, but Chad finishes on a hard letter and then you start on a Y, which is basically a vowel, and it's much easier but to say. It ends in but, the same but letter. But Kate it, Yeager is really hard to say because it ends in the same sound as the no, surname Kate, starts in. It ends in a D. It's the same sound anyway, as Chad. Anyway, it's ugly and it's not nice. <laughs> I, I think that was the best part of Marky Mark's characterization actually mm. that he's actually secretly just like a grumpy old man mm. yes. that's like in, like trying to be young and hot and relevant still because the rest of the time he's just sort of wandering around going I don't know what's happening and we're all like yeah no kidding there's a scene where they're on the the plane that's going up to the planet where I don't I legitimately had no idea what was happening in any of that stuff. Those oh, there's things. a bunch of, there's a I of exposition so out from Josh Dumal's high command. But that's, that's what I mean. Like I couldn't follow any of that anymore because they <laughs> kept just, giving it to us. And I was like, I don't, I yeah. don't understand. No, because none of it had been relevant before. Mm. So I was like, I don't know. I yeah. don't understand well, it's what like you guys are trying mili- to do military here. babble. Like that guy, that military guy, by the way, was like, there was a point where he was in this just like really nice set. And he was like, oh, this is – what was it? The line? This is where I go to deal with the dark issues or something or the dark stuff. And they label it U.S. Pentagon, which deal is – Deal with the dark shit. They they go to the Pentagon and they label it U.S. Pentagon. So there's the Chinese money you saw at the start having an effect. And then they go to like what appears to be like the 73rd sub-basement. And he's like, yeah. this is where I go to deal with the dark shit. And it looks like a parking garage yeah. except for one table but in a the middle. One. With him and then Josh Dumal shows up to look at maps or whatever military people do. No, they, that's where they make the de- decide to make the deal with the Decepticons yeah, yeah, to go yeah. after but Cade I, who look, has you the… Know, they stand over a table and point at things To when go they after do that. Cade who has the, the protection MacGuffin oh, so yeah, that they right. can find the staff MacGuffin, which he doesn't know where it is. Although they actually seem to have a re- decent idea of where Cade is, but anyway, yeah, the Decepticons no, no, will there's help a, them. There's a bit where um, Bumblebee gets planted with a tracker as mm-hmm, he's… Remember? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Vaguely, because I barely did, I could not, could not keep the plot of this movie straight. Like, I was so lost. But, oh, I was going to talk about when they're on the plane and Isabella, with a Z, just shows up. She's just on that plane. And Kate Yeager goes, how did you get here? And she goes, 
I don't know. No, why are you here? Or something like that. And she goes, I don't know. I'm like, you're the one who got here. If you don't know, how do we know? But we don't know anything. And the characters in the movie don't even know how they got from one scene to well, the next scene. Well, at some point, you, see, you actually see actors saying words or hear them saying words that you know that they don't actually believe. Like, yeah. she says that, but her face says, I couldn't leave you behind, so I got on the plane. But her lines say something like, I don't know. Well, I mean, I think that's giving that kid a lot of credit. By the way, I called her mini Michelle Rodriguez for ages in that movie. <laughs> she is, right? She's like a tiny Michelle Rodriguez. Yeah. That's who she is. And she's playing the Michelle Rodriguez role. That is 100% what she's yeah, doing. Yeah, also, you've got to love how, like, not only do these movies keep replacing the women, they just keep getting younger. Oh, in the last one, there was a whole plot point. I haven't actually seen it. I just know about this. There's a whole plot point with Katie Yeager's daughter. Yeah, yeah. And I she, actually know that too. <laughs> right. She has an older boyfriend mm. who carries around a card that says it's legal for him to date her even though she's underage. From Kate, I assume. Because of the Romeo and Juliet law. No, he doesn't give it to. Oh, from. Well, no, from what, the law. Did, what? Like he's protected from the law. For, there's a law about statutory rape? Yeah, there's a Romeo and Juliet clause or some such thing such bullshit where like as long as i don't remember but he has a card in his wallet to prove that it's okay for him to date her that is so so to prove that it's okay to sexualize her so disgusting that's yes yes this is the caliber of movie that the transformers movies are like it's so gross and it's so unnecessary too there's a whole scene where like there's a like one of the little autobots that we're supposed to like is just objectif- sexually objectifying oh, yeah, yeah. cars. Yeah, uh, uh, objectifying robots on this website. It's gross. He's so he's disgusting as well. Yeah, like it's just – oh, also disgusting in this movie is Marky Mark and his hair. <laughs> his hair is so bad. It's like yeah. a weird like mop, not quite mullet thing Yeah, where like it's long at the back and it just sticks well, out. A, oh, it's kind ugh. of it, – greasy. It's, yeah, well, it's sort of like – it's like a shaggy mop haircut. Oh, it's so bad. It looks so bad. It's a mess in this movie. And it also, again, kind of doesn't look like a current haircut. Like, it, there's nothing in this it's movie because that Michael looks Bay like... hasn't watched anything except a Michael Bay movie since 1998. I know. Everything All in this movie is so old. And everything he's changed is like, oh, I got in trouble for not having blah, or I got in trouble yeah. for this. There's a couple of other things I want to talk about. One of them is the <laughs> lines that they give to poor Jim Carter and Anthony Hopkins. Oh, my God. Because the only people that this movie is for are, like, men who are still in the mindset of 12-year-old boys or 12-year-old boys. And so there's all this stuff to try and make them seem cool, even though they're baffling, incomprehensible nonsense people. Oh, God. And it it just it makes no sense with any of their characters because they they go from being – it goes from, like, high to low all the time in a really (laughs) jarring way. Like, um, Cogman randomly turns evil. After safely flying Marky Mark to England, he suddenly decides that he's got all this – we suddenly learn that he has all this anger and he tries to attack Marky Mark. He tries to attack Marky Mark for being gross to Laura But Haddock. after having saved him and flown him – Yes, well, but way, up until but, that point, to be fair, but, Marky Mark hadn't been gross to anybody. No, no, that's true. But at that point – we suddenly learn that Cogman has anger issues yes. and then everything well, no, goes no, no, weird. That's not really true. We knew that before that. It's just that we didn't notice it as much because he, when, when he knocks – Oh, he does knock him out of the yeah, – Right. And lift. like when the – because I thought that the robot that comes up to talk to him was a Decepticon, but it's not. It's an Autobot. It's the green Autobot with the British accent. Yep. And he turns around and just like nearly kills it. 
because it came over to talk to him. Yeah. So we did actually know that he was unstable. Yeah. We just didn't, couldn't yeah. piece it together. And, and he's so unstable. Like, well, he reminded me of Ultron. Yeah. Which was weird. Like yeah. a tiny four foot Ultron. And like, because he just swings back and forth between like being really helpful and trying to save them and do whatever he can to save the world to like. And killing fish. Where, where, killing fish, yeah. by the way. Killing well, fish. But, so, the, yeah. So that he could make them a candlelit sushi dinner on the submarine that is going to the ship that they have to, you, you know, have to get to to get the staff to save everything. So that we could have a romantic scene between these two characters with no romantic tension at all so that they could talk over each other we wouldn't know what was happening and then they kiss when they're on the alien planet and you're like wait what yeah why based on what where's the, like, you can do better honey oh my god that that line when she's on the alien ship which by the way why was that not completely flooded with water how oh i had that question too how is there any air on this ship yeah. that's been under the water yeah, they're for- all there walking around but that's not the point the point of that is she has this line where she's like, I think you're brave out of fucking nowhere. Where? When have we seen him? Like, But also it's not in reaction to anything happening. She just says it. They're walking through a ship and she just goes, I think you're brave. And you're like, fucking why? We just needed some conversation, I guess. Why? It's, again, it's that kind of flying without a script idea. Yeah. They're like, oh, we haven't done enough to establish these two as a romantic. Yeah, so let's make it seem like there's three days between getting in a submarine and getting to the ship at the bottom of the ocean, which is somewhere off the cliffs of Dover. It's not exactly a big trip. They get on the sh- on the ship on the Thames in London and they, they don't go very far. What's the timeline of this movie? Oh, we when know. is the timeline of this movie? Because we start in, quote unquote, the Dark Ages – and then it says 1,600 years later. Now, we think that the 1,600 years later bit is roughly our time. Maybe could maybe be 10 years in the future, but I think it's now. Mm. Yeah, it's just an alternate now. And uh, Yeah, I think it's now. So 1,600 years since King Arthur and Merlin were fighting. Sure, that makes sense. But then, like, there are other points in the movie at which Anthony Hopkins messes around with that date. Because first he says 40 generations, which I did the maths because I was bored, is like – 1200 years so that's where there's a 400 year sort of discrepancy there 400 year discrepancy between when the movie says it starts and when anthony hopkins says so it was the 1200 years yeah so well i don't know that but anthony hopkins says that and then he also says we kept merlin's staff safe for a thousand years which is another 200 year discrepancy between what he last said so like which is it but that's that's just the historical timeline that doesn't work then the, when you actually get into like the present day, what happens when? How long does it take between like that stadium thing where those boys are and where Isabella with a Z is? Where is that in relation to the junkyard, which is in Badlands, some American state, <laughs> one of the Carolinas maybe? I don't know. I don't know. But also, yeah, like so let's assume that's all contemporaneous with the stuff that they're showing of Tony Hale. Yeah. Tony Hale discovers this planet practically at the beginning of the movie coming towards Earth. Yes. Then at some point he goes, we have three days. So we can safely assume that everything after the point when he says we have three days to the point when the planet arrives at Earth, the exoplanet, by the way, what the fuck is an exoplanet? Planet with an exoskeleton by the looks of it. Like well, it is, I don't think, it's I think able it's to push just, bits of itself out in yes, order to defend itself. But I don't think it has an inside itself. Right. I think it is just an outside planet, which doesn't make any sense. But let's assume that that's three days. So this whole movie takes place in three days. Three days. Mm-hmm. That's how long everybody Including has. Including all the international flights and like, – When are the nights? 
It's never nighttime when we're watching this movie. No. It's always day. I know they go from America to England in that time. Yeah. But there should be at least one night in there somewhere. Mm. But there's no nights. It's just day for three days. Like, when does the time happen? <laughs> and there's a point at which everybody, all the leaders of the world suddenly start seem to start realizing that this planet is coming. And they were like, and some scientist says, oh, it was hidden by the sun. And you're like, yes, but Tony Hale knew it was coming two days ago. So why didn't the rest of you know it was well, coming two I, days I ago? I thought that Tony Hale only knew about it once it was out from behind the sun, but I don't know. But then they didn't explain that. No, for, like and it was it, a full two days. Yeah, and then it hits the moon, and we we have a brief that's, nod to that's Transformers: when, Dark of the Moon chronology. Right, but that's when it happens. Also, 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 <laughs> this establishes that Transformers have been on Earth since Merlin and the Knights of Old, yeah. and that B Bumblebee helped the Allies beat the Nazis in, in World, World War Two. We see that happening for some reason, but like in isn't Why? in the first movie? Don't we see them coming to Earth? Look, I it's a long time. Me I, too. But I feel like we do, or if not coming to Earth, we sort of see their first explorings on Earth because they all come to Sam, right? Yeah, because of his glasses. I think they come to Sam, but where did they come from? I thought we saw saw them arriving. So yeah, and this basically retcons their chronology or that retcons their history right exactly but then also not and so previous if bumblebee was around during world war ii was he also has he also been around since the time of merlin just in different guises i don't think so because the merlin ones are said to be older than yeah even and, then, and also and then anthony hopkins has like a world war one era tank that's obviously starting to go a bit here's some oh questions my God, that introduction though when they turn up and Anthony Hopkins starts babbling about World War One. Yeah. And you're like Babbling. Absolute babbling. And you're like, I don't know what's happening in this scene at all. And and so <sighs> neither does Marky Mark, who's just like, What? Yes. What are you saying? Yeah, dementia. I think I know who's got dementia here and it's not the robots. Can can I talk for a minute about Transformers? <laughs> okay. How do they decide what guys they take on? Can they change that at any point like Hot Rod does? Or do they have to stay in the same – do they have to transform into the same things? Because clearly they don't because Bumblebee used to be a, uh, like, World War II Jeep thing. Yeah. And now he is uh, whatever car he is. He's a, um, a Mustang. Thank you. I don't know these things because I don't know cars. The, the GM logo is really prominently featured multiple times in all these movies. GM basically sponsors these movies. In fact, that, that car was a new re-release around the time of the first – the 2007 Transformers, and the company, like, spent large amounts of money and Michael Bay happily took large amounts of money to make Bumblebee specifically a Ford Mustang. Uh, not a Ford – no, he's not a Mustang. He's the other one. I've forgotten. Anyway, he has a GM logo, so whatever the GM equivalent for Mustang is. Anyway, sorry. Whatever he is. Optimus Prime is a big truck, but he's obviously yeah. not always been the same big truck. Do they have a size – if Cogman can turn into a plane – then how do all of the bits fit back in? I remember this being a lot better in the first Also, Bumblebee now has the ability. When he fall, when bits of him fall off, he's able to get them back again and rebuild himself. That leads and other to, Transformers die from having their heads chopped off. That, that leads to my second question about the Transformers. What makes a Transformer dead? Yes, and they have green blood like Spock. What makes them dead? Because Optimus Prime floats frozen through space with no particular direction until he happens to crash into his own planet and is fine. Yeah. And yet we see that old dude and Isabella with Aziz friend die at the beginning of the movie 
Why? Based on what? How do they die and why doesn't Bumblebee die when the same thing happens to him frequently? Why has he died at some point in the last 75 years since the war that he fought in? Like, he's just kind of rebuilt himself with entirely new shells. Sorry, just to correct myself from before, Bumblebee's not a Mustang, he's a Camaro. Okay. Yeah, the Chevrolet Camaro. It's the other, you know, Ford and, you know, GM are like the rival companies, so I got that wrong. Anyway, sorry, continue. (laughs) I don't know. Like, he's rebuilt himself entirely since then, since the 1940s. Right. But do they rebuild themselves or do they just Or somebody has – he keeps finding Marky Mark or Sam McWitty-style characters to help build him. And do they just pick a different thing to look like? Also, 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 his voice, which has been a major plot point for five straight movies Mm. that he can't talk in his own voice – and they try to find his voice box to recreate his own voice. And at the end of this movie, when he has to bring back Optimus Prime, he just does it. He just does it. Where was it the whole time? It's not in his body. Where did he get that from? He has to have his own voice box to do that. But it's not there. Wow. It make, no, I don't know. And then at the end of the movie, he says to Cade, you saved Optimus Prime. And you're like, well, yeah, but you did too, buddy. Like, hmm. It was mostly you. Oh, I just, oh, like, I was complaining about cars not presenting an internally consistent universe, but I, this is a, yeah, such an internally. Cars look like a work of genius in I know. comparison. Like, I, I can't understand any of the lore of this movie. I can't understand any of the characters or why we'd like them. I don't know why some of the Transformers look like people with Transformery bits and some of them look Almost totally just like cars with no, or like robots with no real human yeah. face. Well, yeah, compare Optimus Prime to John Goodman bot or um, or Steve Buscemi bot. Yeah. Uh, he was called Day Trader. Yeah. Or even like Ken Watanabe bot. Yeah. Looks, diff- looks more like a person. Mm. And also gender and Transformers. Uh, yeah. They're I'm- all male, but suddenly Quintessa shows up and yeah. she's the only female one. And obviously she's a bitch. Yeah. Um, because she's a female oh, bitch. By the way, also in this movie, uh-huh. Jim Carter goes, move bitch, get out the way while driving. And, and Anthony Hopkins says, what a bitch and ride about a car. Yeah. Oh, I wanted to die. They, these are like esteemed British stage actors. Putting, like, why are you putting these words in their mouth? I think the, the key to that comes at Anthony Hopkins' death when Cogman mm. says to him, of all the earls that I have served in my time, you are by far the coolest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which really shows you the mentality uh-huh. of Michael Bay making this film. All that matters is that things are cool. It doesn't matter whether they make sense. And it's like he just – also, Michael Bay's gone, oh, yes, this is a great acting night, and this is a guy who's best known for doing Downton Abbey. Let's put the word bitch in their mouth. Let's kind of – let's make them say things that are really incongruous and edgy. Which edgy could is in be very big quotation marks there. Which could be really fun in the hands of a good director oh, or writer. In the hands of a good writer. Like, Matt, it would be fantastic. And in the hands of – Stanley Tucci, let's be honest, it goes well. Yeah, it does. When Stanley Tucci is doing it, he's like, it, the whole movie just goes downhill. From it really does. He's off screen because he's so good and everything yeah. else is so bad. Uh-huh. But like, I just, why is Quintessa a female? Have we seen a female Transformer before oh, this in the movie? I don't that- know. I've always thought, 
I may have I always seen the thought second Bumblebee, one. I may have seen one and three. It, it, and it five. actually confuses me that Bumblebee is male. Like I always think Bumblebee should be a girl, and I don't know why. There's no reason to it. I'm I'm just unnecessarily gendering an object. Bumblebee, but I, I get a I get a female vibe from Bumblebee. I might be the yellow. It might that he's slightly smaller and and more curvaceous. agile. Yeah, I don't know why. I've always thought of Bumblebee as a girl. But the but Bumblebee as well can only talk in like. It used to be things he could get off the radio, but now it's basically just movie quotes. Bits of movies or, yeah. But he only ever uses male voices for them. Yeah. Like, he only ever – and he, there's there's no fun to be had with that in this movie. They never try. They never get any cool quotes or anything. It's no. just kind of a mess. And they mostly just don't have him speak at all so that they don't have to deal with that. Like, I just – and and why is Josh Duhamel in all these movies? He does nothing in this movie except conveniently be places well, be- in order to well, get place people I, I from one place to another. As we discussed before we actually started recording, what else has Josh Duhamel got going for him? No. Like, really, he's never really done anything. Th- these kinds of movies, for an actor like him, who's the definition of journeyman, this is perfect for him. But they don't have to keep putting him in them. It's not like, well, I don't think he, there's a lot but of... But you know what? He's probably, a, to use an Australianism, a good bloke. He's probably fun for Michael Bay to hang around. But Michael Bay probably likes him. Maybe. I wouldn't be surprised if it's just like he goes along with whatever Bay wants on set or he's fun to be around. Do you know what's weird, though? He was almost the only human character in this movie that I actually liked, mm. apart from Stanley Tucci, if only because... Uh, and I'm not, like, when I say what else has he got going on, like, it's not like he's a bad actor. It's just no. that he's not... He's very generic looking, so he doesn't really get a lot of big roles. Yeah, it wasn't that I liked his acting or anything. Yeah. I just, like... Of all the character motivations in this movie, I understood his because I was like, he's being told to do things by his superiors. Yeah, he's, he's got who's, orders, who's, but not just that. He's got like he, he's got a moral code, right, around his orders. Exactly. He manages to have both superiors who are just telling him what to do, and the audacity to feel bad about sometimes doing those things to characters we're supposed to like, which gives us an idea that we're supposed to like them. Yeah. Which was really helpful in this movie because I had so much trouble figuring out who I'm supposed to like. Because we frequently see heroes just kill people. Or be jerks. Or be jerks. Kate's a jerk. Laura Haddock's not, but she's also not anything else. She's also kind of... You know, snobby and and distant. Well, no, she yeah, she's meant to be me like more a little bit of like Denise Richards in Bond. You know, uh, like this. It's so incongruous. Yeah, and that's well, not to say that smart women what, can't be beautiful, but it just doesn't. F- it like she's so sexualized, and it's clearly just. It, it's like a American's idea of what a classy English lady is like. The first bit where yeah. she's playing polo. Oh, oh, and, and she's it lives at Oxford and. Why are all of the movie uh, scenes in this movie edited the, the exact same way? A polo game is edited the exact same way as the Dark Ages fight at the beginning it's of the shot movie. Shot and edited the same which way. Which is yes, they're shot and edited the same way as then a car chase later. They all sound and look exactly the same. Yeah, and there's a lot of also like, oh, I'm gonna do something with the camera, not necessarily for a good reason. But I'm getting bored, I'm going to shake the camera around. Or I'm getting bored, I'm going to use a Dutch tilt here. Or I'm getting bored, I'm going to stick in some Transformers sound effects even though we can't see any Transformers in this scene mm. and we don't know why that's happening. Yeah. It's so, like, the first, the whole, the Dark Ages fight, I'm like, where's the Transformers? I hear Transformer noises. Where are they? 
but we don't see them till later. Til, so those yeah, transformer noises are just like fireballs coming at. And out. They, they don't. It's not a good reveal of the transformers. And I couldn't figure out who was the bad guys and who was the good guys in that. Also, the big reveal of Optimus Prime when he finally comes to like face off against Cade happens in two minutes. He and Cade talk for like half a second, and Cade's like, "It's me." Cade Yeager, your friend, and Optimus Prime is like, I'm evil now, give me the staff. And then Cade turns to Vivian and goes, give him the staff. And she's like, okay, and gives it to him. And then he puts it in his little chest cavity, teleports it off to Quintessa, and then is like, bye, peace out. And he goes, and you're like, what? No, well, B- Bumblebee turns him unevil first. No, that's, no, this is all before Bun- Bumblebee turns him unevil. <laughs> this is in the ship. And then, right, they, okay. then they have to have the ship come up out of the water and then they fight on top of it. And I was like, where are they? Oh, on right, the ship? that's where Bumblebee And what's yeah. happening? Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> that was, I think, that, that when I couldn't keep track of where they were on top of that ship, that was when I think I checked out of trying to figure out where they were at any point because I was like, I uh, yeah. I clearly don't know. I was still trying at that point because I'm like, Marky Mark's in a white shirt and Josh Jamal's in black and right, that's red and blue. There's Optimus. But how did they get there? How did they hold on to the ship? How did any of this stuff happen? How did they not die every time they got exploded or dropped down somewhere or just like they, they should have died. The, the plane crashes onto the planet and even the 14 year old girl who didn't have a seatbelt on survives yep Uh, this has been like more than an hour of us asking questions of things we don't understand about the transformers movie i've lost all sense of time and reason well yeah we were in that movie for like several days it is a very long movie Oh, yeah, it was. it's two and a half hours long. It's two and a half hours of this incomprehensible and, garbage. And the length is wasted on boring-ass battles that go that are just really hard to watch. But it's also wasted on all these things that aren't battles. Oh, yeah, don't like have random polo matches. Yes. Or like conversations where you're like, I don't, I don't follow this or it's gross. Yeah. Or like trying to establish any kind of relationship between Kate Yeager and any other character in the movie, which never seems to work. No. Like, I even the daughter from the last movie is now just a voice on the phone. Yeah. But I don't feel any character between between him and anybody. Any relationship? No. I'm like just genuinely like completely lost. Yeah. I felt like that through so much of this movie. Like they would be explaining the plot to me and I would be like, wait, what? When did this happen and Mm. how did this happen? And like you can't just like erase the last five minutes of this movie or like rewrite all of history to serve your Transformers-y purpose. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, we knew. Harriet Tubman. Star. Oh, God, yes, the Wickwidians. The Wickwickens. The Wickwickens. The Wickwickens. Oh, that's a plot point as well. When when Anthony Hopkins sneaks into the Prime Minister's uh-huh. house yep. through the back entrance or whatever yeah, the hell the it is. Yeah, the secret entrance that's like used for emergencies only. Crazy and- man walks up to police guards outside 10 Downing Street and goes, I'll just use the old entrance. Nobody follows him. No. Well, I mean, they correctly think he's just a crazy old coot. Yes, but, but he's in not. today's environment, I also know. in an environment where there's like massive kind of terrifying things going on all the yeah, time because of Transformers. traffic chaos, these fancy cars. That traffic, this chasing through the streets of London, there's got to be like at least 20 people who died, right? Probably. Innocent people. And at one point, I swear I heard Anthony Hopkins say to Cogman, don't kill anybody yeah, or, because he just killed – you don't yeah. have to kill people just because he just killed random yeah, civilians. Yeah, they're completely the opposite of 
inconspicuous as well. And it seems like um, Otrod is able to change into different types of cars because Anthony Hopkins puts him in. <laughs> he is, but I was remember how baffled I was. Yeah, well, because he puts him into Laura Haddock's car. But it's kind of confusing. You see her drive up to Oxford and knock over some bikes because she's a cool chick who doesn't care about bike riders. And so you see her drive. I you didn't see know the that car, was her. But you also see Anthony Hopkins sitting in the car and you're like, oh, is that his car? And yeah, and he says, do they have, friend. Do they and have like, the same car? But it's Otrod. But then she's driving in that car, which is like an old, um, I think it's a, a Citroën de Cheveux. De Cheveux. Um, anyway, and, and she's driving along through London and he sees a Lamborghini and is like, oh, yes, let's go for that one. And he and her transform into the Lamborghini. Like No, she doesn't. Well which okay, no she no. gets no he transforms into the Lamborghini and he somehow throws her into the Lambo. No, he is the Lambo. No. Yes he is. The, but he's the No, no he is. is. So he can transform into whatever but other he car. He is also the Lambo. No, the Lambo is just a car that goes past them. Right. And so he now he becomes the Lambo. No, he's the car that she's in. So he kidnaps her in her she own, gets, what, in what was what, her what, own car? But it wasn't her own car. It was him. They must have at some point when we weren't paying attention or somehow they didn't explain it properly, he transformed, trans, he transformed into her car. No, yes. no, not into her car. They took her car away and, put and another, he looked oh. like a different car, her car. And, he, and then, so this is, but, but then I the Lambo drives past and then he turns into the same Lambo. Yes. But he only okay. So what I think is going on Maybe. here is at at when she was in the university, when Anthony Hopkins watched her creepily, yeah, yeah, he went outside, took her car away, hot rod scanned her car and became it. Oh Lord, yep. And then she drove around hot rod, not knowing it was hot rod for a bit. Yep. And then the part where I got confused came up because I had seen Anthony Hopkins in that car and thought it was his car, oh, and I went, oh. "Why did she just get into?" Some Anthony random Hopkins car, car off the street. Yeah. <laughs> but no, she thought it was her car. She You're supposed in. to be observant enough about cars that you notice that it's the same car. Well, no, they just don't care, I don't think. Yeah. Um, like, I don't think we're supposed to be observant because they tell us these things all the time that, that just didn't happen or, like, that we just saw happen. Cade at one point goes, I came all the way out here for nothing. The world is at risk four times in the same scene. <laughs> um, it's true. He does, he rants that exact same. And then he's like, don't try and, t-, and he, he yells at her, like, your accent won't help you now. Don't try and convince me with all this magic stuff. And you're like, what the f are you talking about? She never tried to do that in the first place. No, she got pulled into this just like you did, mate. Exactly. She got kidnapped and then was very chill about it. And rolled down a hill and was fine. Um, she so she's in. She did too. She gets into what she thinks is her car. An invitation pops out. She looks at it and she's like, "What do you mean I have to be this place right now?" And then her car just drives off. On she gets on her. Yeah, freaked out. She's like, "Oh, you're one of them." And she tries to break open the window With like a, a clever, mallet. wonderful girl. Yeah. And then she gets like he rolls her into the boot. Yeah, yeah. And so she forces the boot lid open. Right. And then. In order to get her back into the car, Hot Rod sees this Lamborghini drive by, scans it, turns into the Lamborghini and rolls her back up to somewhere that he can control her and drives her there. This is how that's that how that worked. Okay, I that is very confusing. I only figured that out after I saw a blue shiny light around the other car because I thought that other car yeah, was I a transformer. Yeah, I saw the blue shiny light and I assumed it was a transformer. Right, but it oh, isn't. It's Lord. like just a, I know, but it never tells you any of this stuff. No. So you 
just don't know what's happening. And also, I don't think we see Hot Rod transform into her car because I no, think we're we not don't. supposed to know until Anthony Hopkins says old friend to it. Yeah. So I think we're just supposed to put together that they've transformed him into. I don't. But that's what happened. Mm. I'm pretty sure he can't. Like he isn't actually all these other cars. He's just one car who scans other cars and then Lord like Almighty. But we never get that explained. Nor do we get explained why he has a time stop gun that he only uses twice. It, a we, time stop gun. You can make the world's longest cinema sins video about this movie. It's I'm just, sure they will. There is a sin every half second. We we have to be fair going, been going on for nearly an hour and a quarter on it though. But yeah, like, because it's just what the hell. Because there's, there's, you could examine every scene of this movie and in every scene of this movie go, what the hell is happening? And how did they make this? Who? Why is still being signed off on this? Like, and I can see from the start that it has significant Chinese money, which we know from the last one because the last one was actually set in Hong Kong, at least in part. Oh. The, the the one. Apparently Tucci was in it. Yeah. Well, I just remember the trailer and they go to Hong Kong. I only remember the trailer of like it's like old dusty farmland. And, and look, I know I know the Chinese money thing is a thing, and this does seem to be one of those movies that is like trying to that there's no dialogue to speak of, and it, it's lots of flash and bang and stuff going on, which is what Hollywood thinks the Chinese market wants. I I like to I would like to think that the Chinese market is a little more sophisticated than Hollywood gives it credit for, but you know. We don't Based know that. Based on what? Well, I, I, I just, it feels like this, they're talking about this conglomerate of like, we're going to make movies for the Chinese, so they've got to be relatively simple and they're going to be a known property and they can't have too much dialogue and they've got to have lots of big things going on in them. I mean, to be fair, a lot of, the, well, they don't have to be a known property though. Like Warcraft did really well in China, mm. which is, <clears throat> it is a known property, but there are, there are there a lot of World of Warcraft players in China? I don't know. Anyway, but anyway, that like that seems it seems to have China money behind it because it it seems to like it's going to make its money internationally. And but so ha- I just but don't see just, how because it yeah okay they may not be able to follow the plot in the first place. But like one scene doesn't even seem to relate to the next. There was a point at which you were like, oh yeah, these characters are in the movie. And I was like, yeah, but we don't we forgot that because they haven't been relevant to the plot. Yeah, in the last Isabel hour. with a Z and um and her friend, the senior vice president of whatever. Her friend, who is his friend. His friend, the senior vice president she of the She just junkyard. sort of follows him around like a lost right. puppy. So it just makes like – And then he what? finds and out that yeah. she's followed him and she's like, oh, I don't want to go into foster but, care. And he's like, okay, well, you just have to get out then. And uh, no, but, he has no kind of mm. responsibility. Like he has no – I mean, how are we supposed to root for this guy? As soon as that happened, I was like, you're going to turn a 14-year-old girl out on the streets because she's told you she doesn't want to go into foster care? Are you crazy? Yeah, it just leaves her behind. Like, ridiculous. Like, you are you an adult. You are a father. You can show more responsibility than being this shitty, shitty person. Mm. He's awful. Why do we root for him? I don't know. I, I'm trying to I, – sorry, I was just having a look on IMDb because I'm trying to work out which studio is behind this. Like, I don't, is it Fox? No, it's Universal. Oh, because right. remember yeah. the logo comes up and it's got all the <laughs> – I remember this from the very beginning of the movie. It has all the Transformers sounds and I laughed. Yeah, yeah. And then there's like fireballs coming out of the Universal logo and then they hit the thing and then it's like Dark Ages and then I laughed. And then like <laughs> that continued for a long period of time. The guys who were playing Arthur and Lancelot were dreamboats though. They were so pretty. Yeah. They had like really, really pretty blue and green I eyes. I know, I know. <laughs> they look like they should be on Game of Thrones or something. They, they were, were very they cute. Were, they were lovely. <laughs> 
Yeah, I no, want to watch that movie. Yeah, like it wouldn't make any oh, sense. I would, but love I like to watch the people that in it. King Arthur movie from those first five minutes with Stanley Tucci as Merlin and yeah. cute young Arthur and cute young Lancelot. That would be great. I know, right? And, like, and it probably would do better than the um, the Guy Ritchie one that came and went a couple of months ago. Oh, King Arthur. Yeah, the King Arthur could be a prequel to this movie for all I know. <laughs> it could. I mean, I know King Arthur had some sort of weird like magicy side plot. To oh, it? I don't know. Generally, a King Arthur movie remember, does. Remember when we were seeing the trailers for King Arthur yeah. and no, 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 and like this at the same time, and separate we, to the Magic yeah. of Merlin. And, type oh, right, we, and we would get confused as to which trailer yeah. it was. Yes, uh, every time the Transformers trailer would come up, I was like, "Oh, it's that King Arthur movie." And then you'd be like, "No, no, it's Transformers." Yeah, remember? because the week before, I'd gone, "Oh, it's that King Arthur movie," and discovered it was Transformers. Right, because it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't it's, make any sense. No. No, and then so it, then it cut to like the Nazi bit, and just like oh my oh, god, for one scene where Bumblebee was different colors, and you're like, Bumblebee used to be a jeep. How do Transformers work? I know, I know. How do they do? They just scan. Do they all have those hot rod powers where they just scan a vehicle and then turn into it? Well, hot rod seems to have special powers because he can do the slowing time thing. No, but that's his weapon, not him. Mm. Right? He has a weapon that does that. They yeah. all can get weapons, like um, the scanning powers. I don't senior know. Senior vice president got his hands on an alien killing weapon yeah. at one point, yeah, and then got hit by a beanbag. Oh, and the drones. Remember the drones that looked like TIE Fighters? Yes. Um, yes, I do. Anyway, like that was a plot point at one point. Like, oh, my God. But but um, what was I talking about? I, I, I don't know, but I, I feel like we should probably wrap this up I at some it was point. King Arthur. I, I know we pro- can probably say more, but we're like over an hour into this thing, complaining about this thing. And like I just, I'm just can talk about how bad it was. It's just. It's so. It's not even like just bad. It's like. Even on a f- the the most fun, it's like kind of like Suicide Squad, where you're like, even on the f- most fundamental level, this movie doesn't work, and also it's gross and offensive, and also it makes no sense, and everybody's all the women are sexualized, and yeah, like, it's just like it just piles on problem after problem after problem. Although this movie at least does have a three act structure. Yep. So on that front, might be slightly better than Suicide Squad. Yeah, I mean, doesn't diversity wise, it's worse. But yeah, yeah, diversity wise, it's worse than Suicide Squad. But on the front of having a three act structure, as movies are supposed to, mm-hmm. unless you are smart enough to play with that genre, this is better than Suicide Squad. Well, yeah, great. Put that on the poster. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know what, than Suicide though, Squad the, in one aspect. The audience this is going for, they'll be like all over that, and it looks even even the audience that goes for these movies is not watching this movie no i know it's it's just not doing well because well it's interesting actually you can smell a turd no but it, it really is interesting that this year people seem to have really lost their patience for bad yeah. movies P- uh, what this rough night which has just come out done nothing um the king arthur movie people just they watch yeah people have really got um, got the ability to smell a turd this year and they're like nope we're not going near you there's more that came out earlier this year as well where they yeah, were like yeah. um some that we've reviewed and some that we haven't but yeah there's a whole lot of movies that have just uh, it, oh the, the next the pirates one oh yeah the pirates one i i almost feel like this may be i don't know too optimistic but there's been a lot of good movies this year as well yeah. that aren't big blockbusters necessarily some of them are like guardians was good wonder woman wonder yeah. woman was good and it's almost like because there's good ones, or maybe because last mm. year was so terrible, people are just like, nah, I'm not going to go see the bad ones. I'll just see the good ones. Thanks. Yeah. And, and actually, I'm just reading through the movies we've reviewed. The Mummy, Life, Alien Covenant. You know, Fade of the Furious was actually did okay, I think, but it wasn't as good as well, the, of course. its predecessors. 
but it, it sort of sunk. There's a bunch of things that, and and then, but then it did better than the predecessors. I think it had others, a huge others that sort of, you know, Kong Skull Island ended up doing really well because it was actually it was amazing. Good. Yeah. So I mean, it's just it's funny. Anyway. Yeah, I think it does seem like people are being more discerning this year. Yeah. Maybe their patience. Yeah. For crap. Has, and um, and to be fair, I haven't, a little. yeah, and I haven't looked at like the internationals versus the domestic, domestic being US, not Australia, but it certainly seems that way. So, all right, we, yeah, yeah, it, it's quite late. We've ra- we should wrap this up. So, um, your score for Transformers. Last I'm going night. to give Transformers last night 0.5 stars, and all of the 0.5 stars is for Stanley Tucci's two seconds. I'm going to pretty much say I'm going to give it the same as you. I'm giving it half a star for Stanley Tucci. Yeah. So, thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast and for sticking with us through this epic episode. <laughs> if you want to find the show notes or old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to find us on social media, we're at screen underscore queens on Twitter, facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens and tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com on Tumblr. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.